<laughs> hey, it's Tom Cruise. I just want to say, I've always considered myself an articulate person. Yeah, I studied articulation. Not a lot of people know that. I've done my research. <laughs> and I found this one podcast called The Articulate OX. It's incredible, really. You know, it, it completes me. It's by Soma79. Give it a listen. Hey, this is Soma79 with a special announcement. My new Mega Mix is up. My MF2 Mega Mix Oxidation Moons Day is now available. Go to www.soma79.com slash doom to check it out. It's a 30-minute mix that I did of MF Doom raps over my own beats. I really enjoy it. I hope you really enjoy it. So check it out. Tell a friend. Peace. Welcome to the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Almost 79 Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. My guest today is uh, my man, Evan Ferrante, a.k.a. Not Tom Cruise. I've known Evan since college, um, and I, unfortunately, I've not got to see him in person in probably over a decade. I think I haven't been to L.A. in that long. And this conversation was a great, like, it reminded me of something that I remember thinking about Evan years ago, is that when you're talking to him at one moment, it's you're it's obvious to you you're sitting there talking to him in one moment it's obvious oh this is a very smart person and then two seconds later it's like oh this is obvious this is a very talented person and then it's he says something super funny like oh this is also a very funny person and then he says something super kind and you're like he's also one of the kindest people i know and he's one of those people who even though you've known him for a long time still is full of surprises and they're all positive and you know just when you think you're having a nice moment he hits you with a good laugh and just when um, you know, we talk about something goofy, he hits you with something really poignant. So I really enjoyed my conversation with Evan. I'm sort of bearing the lead here too, because Evan is, um, the reason we're talking to him today is that he is like the top Tom Cruise impersonator out there. And he's made, um, he's made uh, a thing out of it. And he started doing it around the same time that we met. And um, it was just, it's really crazy over this course of, you know, probably 25 years since I've known him to see this evolve as something that he just did as a joke in college to being something that he's getting paid and flown around the world to do. And it's, you know, not all of us are born with, uh, you know, the slight resemblance to Tom Cruise and the, you know, the looks and the vocals. But, you know, Evan is a good example of how take what you have and make the most of it. And he's really done that, and he's never really stopped to make himself better in other directions as well. So I could have um, stuck around and talked to him about... He has so many great stories. There's probably a ton we didn't even touch on here. So, um, yeah, it's been a great... It was great catching up with you again, Evan. And I think you're all going to really love this episode. So, all, right, all right, talk to you. Peace. Cause her man went from damaged kid to damn he's rich But she still can't stand the way he manages To never put nickels in the can for the cancer kids Plus he cheats at corn holding rags that he won So she lost interest like porno after she comes My DM started jingling baby as it was done Two seconds later I can hear the snapping of her gums She calls me half Dodge Challenger, half Lip Gallagher All right, hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast I am here yes. with my guest, Evan Ferrante, a.k.a. Not Tom Cruise. What's going on today, man? I'm here in the flesh now. Now, um, what are we going to do about it? What, what's happening? What's happening today? 
I don't even know, man. I you know what's, know what's what's happening. on the agenda? You didn't send me an agenda. I don't have one. Today is my yeah. first day back to work after okay. the um the Labor Day weekend, and it. I'm just looking at my eyes right now. I think I might have had a few too many edibles over the weekend because I feel like oh, I just am not. I never really fully woke up today. So I um yeah, I I seldom rock edibles these days, but I did I did partake yesterday, and it flattened me completely. Yeah. But I you know my partner and I took them. And she was completely gone to the point where she couldn't fulfill the obligations of the rest of the day. Like we had a party to go to. <laughs> and she was yeah. it was just done. She was out for the count. She was like, you go without me. I barely could make it over there, but I did it. And I rallied. Yeah. But, but they, edibles, they, they, can, they can be a bit of roulette. You don't know what you're going to land on. Uh, yeah. It's like you just got to, you know, cancel all your appointments for the week. Yeah. 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 Just, so, so uh I've known you for a long time. We shouted you out a bunch on the Alex Merkin episode, who is probably the person yeah. we all we met through back at BU years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um God, man. It was like you, forever. You, you were you were in film school with him, correct? Yes, I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you weren't part of the film program. What were no, you studying no, no. there? I, I was just studying economics and I did study English in the beginning, but and I of course was an actor, but I just yes. didn't study acting. But I was brought into different productions that you guys were doing. I think I did a few of Alex's, but I did some of um some others as well yeah yeah i think you became it was funny that everybody who i know has been in film school said this that most schools that have film programs also have drama programs and it's like those people just never meet right it's it's, it's just terrible so like i think whenever people identified yeah. you as somebody who could actually act it was like oh yeah yeah why why what why wasn't there i mean isn't it one of the best communication schools but there was no communication yeah i know between the, between I know. the departments I, I, to I, you know what I think a, it is? That doesn't is, make any sense. I think what it is, is this is something that probably makes sense, more sense when you're younger than we're older, is I think it was just like, oh, those are drama kids and we're film dorks. And I think it was just, there were different mm -hmm. brands of whatever. And, you know, there were also different ends of the campuses. You would think Dra the school itself would try yeah. to encourage it, you know? Drama, drama meaning theatrical stage actors and not uh, film actors, you're saying? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. But it's just, I think, I think you would think the school would probably try to put something that into effect. Right. That would be the benefit of everybody. But I don't know, maybe, right. it's, maybe I'm trying to fix problems that aren't really there. I did a lot of black and white films when you guys were shooting on yeah. Super 16 or the Bolex. Yeah, yeah, Bolex exactly. Yeah. I left um, BU. Yeah. I graduated uh, three instead of four years, so I skipped my senior year, and like yeah. that was the year they taught everybody how to digitally edit. So it was like oh. I learned how to scotch tape shit together and get thrown yeah. out into the real world, and then. And what yeah. was that edit? What was the editing bay called? I think it was called an Avid back then. No, no, the digital one. But what, oh, what was the, the the poor digital Steinbeck, Steinbeck, Steinbeck. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Um, but that's was, that's that's so cool to learn on that. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, it's really um, it's really coming handy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Not practical, but it's cool. No, 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 no. So um, yeah. we'll talk a little about Tom Cruise, but the thing that sort of yeah. um got my girlfriend excited about this interview is um, oh, oh, yeah? about a couple months ago, I don't know how Swan's Crossing came up, but like she mm -hmm. brought it up and she, I think we were, we were watching the new Sarah Michelle Gellar show. She's like, remember the show Swan's Crossing? I'm like, yeah, yeah. fact that I do. And I told <laughs> her that I knew you and she was very excited. Wow. And we watched them. I, to be honest with you, I'd never seen it before because like, I think yeah. I knew you, it was, what was it on? Was it on cable? I mean, it was a really, really bad show. Um, I, that was going to tell you, I thought it actually held up but, pretty well. Well, it, here's the thing: it, it you you actually watched some of it. We watched it and enjoyed the shit out of it. Like, well, it's it, like, I didn't say I didn't say it's not enjoyable, but it's like it's so low budget. And 
I mean, here's the thing. It, it's funny. It looks low budge, but we shot, you know, at Kaufman Stories Studios, which is where the um, the the Cosby show was shot. Um, you know, it's a le legit studio in Queens. And uh, we we shot multi-camera. It was almost like a soap opera where there was like three or four cameras. And I think we had teleprompters in case we had too much dialogue to learn or something. But we had sets and everything in production design. It's just that it was a it was an after contract at the time because this is before SAG and after merged. So they didn't have a lot of money for the actors, but video, you know, shot on video and it just looks, you know, not HD. It's shot pre pre HD. So it's just very grainy. And I mean, of course, and also the acting is, is really bad. Um, but it was so much fun. I had a great time. And it has a lot of charm to it, which I think is yeah, what makes it, it persevere well, over the years. Yeah, and we and we had we had fans, like pretty pretty big fans. Um, I think if it came out today with a little bit better quality, you know, with the way things are, everyone's so connected, the communities online, it would it would have flourished. It would have done really well because yeah. we we had um, tons of traditional fan mail, and at, we we were kind of starting at the beginning of the internet, to be honest, in, in like the early nineties. Um, right before America Online, yeah. it was like during Prodigy, Prodigy Internet days, and I we would get fan mail back then on like over Prodigy, which is like, you know, so new weird. and yeah, it was very weird. We got we got fan mail from guys in jail, you know, <laughs> and then they had, they had to kind of and we we're kids of course, and they had to filter all that out the producers because obviously, you know, it was uh, inappropriate. What were they writing? What were they writing you from jail? I mean, like. You know they're they like children. You know. They're oh, into, okay. All right, all right, all right. Just play. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I guess they. I, I guess like that's why they're in jail because they're dumb enough to put it in writing. But yeah, like, exactly. Like, and they they would ask me. They would send pictures for me to autograph and. Holy crap! You know, um, yeah, creepy stuff like that. But uh, Sarah Geller, uh, who was my first crush, he probably knew that years ago because I probably talked about it back then. Well, I think it's just but, a lot um, of people's, but you at least you yeah. know knew her. I, I, I knew her. I, I, this is going to sound creepy, but I was around her so much that I knew her scent, the scent of a woman. It was yeah. escape for women. And she was 15, 16 years old and had just, just this beautiful way about her. I was 12. Um, very, she was very attractive, but also very intelligent uh, and just cool, like cool and mature and never met a woman like that at, at that point in my life. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. But, she's had a very long. I mean, she's worked consistently yeah, for years. Yeah, I mean, as yeah. as her husband, they've been very yeah, successful. Yeah. They've chosen I, their own paths. I was always impressed with her, and I actually recently with John Orchiola, who we both yes. know. You know, John Orchiola. He, he was in the first episode of this podcast, actually. Oh no way! So he <laughs> took me. No, I took him to. <coughs> wait, did he take me? I forgot. He might have taken me to the premiere of sarah's new show that may be canceled now i don't know that's the so, one that got the conversation going about you because that uh, we, we yeah. watched it yeah it's a good so show it's like a, it's like a werewolf show right yeah everything's getting canceled now though i'm pretty I, pissed I, about how i met but, your father going away right. that's my own thing but i got to reunite with her you know it had been been a decade or more longer than that 20 that's 20 awesome. years maybe so that was cool to see her again and we caught up briefly and she asked me if i was still in the business and i told her not really and She's, it seemed like she'd been through the ringer, you know, like just, I mean, obviously she's had a tremendous amount of success, but she's, she also seemed really tired of it all. Yeah. 
Um, maybe you, I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, you think too that like you know there were a lot of like around in the early '90s there was a whole yeah. class of actresses like her. You could name like a bunch of them. And it's totally. like as time has gone on, there's less and less of them because yeah. the roles are less and less, and the ones that are around yeah. had to work harder and harder. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's exhausting to have the type of career she has. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it's just um, I wasn't gonna say it was my first fan letter though was from Sarah because. I was I was the actor in the cast who received fan letters I think last and I was kind of bummed about it because I was young and and I got I got a little hurt by that yeah and Sarah had written me a letter I think and it didn't say her name like it kind of anonymous but it was like a beautiful letter and she did that just to make me feel better oh but then God. I got yeah she was really sweet of her but then I then I got a then I got some some uh, fan letters after that N not nearly as much as her and and Shane McDermott but yeah. You know, it was cool. Yeah. Then the prisoners started uh coming in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Was Mira Savino on that show too? Mira Savino was in the show, yeah. And she got fired from the show. Really? For for shopping. Uh she had a shopping habit at the time and and didn't come into work one day because she was shopping. Well, things worked that, out okay with for her. She won an Academy Award the year the year after. <laughs> yeah. She was she was buying polish for her future Academy Award for Mighty Aphrodite, I'm assuming, right? She was just buying brass polish, yeah. Just, yeah, just like ah, yeah, I need this. That was the next polishing. year. Yeah, pretty much. Because I think she was like, well, she might not have been available for the next season then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She she might have been 18 at the time, I remember, I think. That's just so funny to think that it was like it kind of a kid show, like you said, and that she won for playing a prostitute, I believe, right? Right. That was, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, that tells you a lot about the way Hollywood likes the cast. Yeah, I thought you. I didn't realize it was Shane McDermott. He was in that movie with um uh, Airborne. Airborne. Yes, and I just saw that recently because there was this How Does This Get Made podcast where they watch all these bad movies, um, and I've watched three. I watched every 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 one of the movies they did over quarantine, like two hundred ninety seven movies, and that was Seth, Seth Green was in that. Yes. I think. Yep. And, and Jack, Jack Black. Jack Black. Yeah. 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 And, and that was uh, that was early in Jack Black's career. Like yeah, it was really very done, early. Yeah, I don't done even, much. No, Seth Green actually is in it a decent amount, but um, yeah, it's as far as bad movies goes, that that's actually a pretty decent one, I think. There's some uh, though there are a lot yeah. of questions and raises that doesn't answer, but whatever. What do you Yeah, he I've been to his website a few times. He sells paintings now because someone else um oh really about something he's got or he sells art, so he's got a few prints out there you can buy if you want to own original Shane McDermott. I think he might be doing real estate in Texas or something. No, he's doing real estate. I didn't know he did art. Yeah, I know. He's, yeah, I think he's doing a little. I don't know if the arts paying cool. the bills, but you know, it's uh, arts. Uh, arts a hard. Uh, it's a racket. It is. It's like I look at this thing behind me. This I don't know if you if you're familiar with yeah. comics at all with the Gambit. And it took me, it took me sixty hours to make. I got the I got the first Gambit appearance in X Men. I got a, me too. I got the, the the one with Storm yeah. on the cover. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, that's a decently valuable comic from a time where mine 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 is in very bad condition though. Oh. So I, I don't I don't have a good one. But but it's it, it's a, if you have a good condition, it's probably like several hundred, right? I think it might even be a few grand. Um, it'd be like because yeah. mine's like okay. I know I bought it when it came out, but like it's um he was my favorite X Men. But I made that. It took me like sixty hours, and then you're like, well, how do you nice. price it? And yeah. like, I'm like, is someone really going to pay me two grand for this? Like, it's, I guess. Maybe I mean, you set, you set your price, you forget it, you know, set it, forget it and see if anyone, it's whatever anyone's willing to pay for it. And yeah, you, look, it's, it's just like any market, like I'm in real estate now, you set the price and you know, you could, if you, you, you basically, if you want to sell it, if you're motivated to sell, you want to set sell it or put it at fair market value for art, it's a lot harder because there aren't that many comps 
right? right. So we use comps in real estate, but there aren't many comps yeah. in the art world. So you really just use it. The comps that you would you would um, base it on as your as an artist would be the, your previous work and what it's selling for. So it, almost like your your day rate has gone up. Now your day rate's five thousand a day. That's what I'm telling all my corporate clients. For my, you know, so everything it's all based on your your track record and past hit and your historical uh, data. You know, yeah. I'm about to um, hit. I did this solo art show about five years ago. That was it went really well. I sold a lot of stuff, but after that, I hit a point where I'm just like, I don't even like the selling was getting in the way of the enjoying being able to do it. And so yeah. I, I actively stopped selling and it was like, I started getting sales come through on my website and I was like, I don't even feel like packing this up. Like, it's just the thrill. Like, yeah. I, I just, there was no thrill at all off of monetizing yeah. my stuff, which I was very surprised by. Cause I mean, I obviously like spending on stuff, but this is an age old dilemma, the art versus commerce debate. Yes. And we're all in it inextricably linked to it. And um, you can either have someone else handle all that. Or you got to find some balance in your life and be and be a businessman. You have to be a business person. Yeah. Um, or just choose to be an artist and go. Or just I'm choose just to be an artist. Look, I just, I'm reading Rick Rubin's book right now. Have you read it? Oh, I haven't, but I definitely want, I'm a big fan of his. I want to read that. Yeah. But it's all about, you know, create, create art for yourself. It's for, it's for you. Don't make it for others. I mean, it may not, it may not be commercial, but at least you're making art for yourself that, you respond to you're passionate about but it has to be for you right yeah. yeah don't don't set don't set out to make it for others yeah yeah you know okay. yeah okay but you I mean you can i'm not saying don't just you have to choose what you what you're what path you're you're going down i heard kanye talk once about how as the, he saw himself sort of like before he ran for president as a politician and being like, I'm here reporting on what's going on in the neighborhoods and, mm. and giving it into you into a way that we believe you all can understand, like a politician would at least attempt to do. Um, and that's sort of the way that you're like, okay, I'm acknowledging that this is not necessarily the personal reflection of my deepest soul, but it's, it's um, the way that I'm sure. doing what I can do. It's that's where that, that line is the divine. You're like, would yeah. this be the music I'd make if only I was listening? It's probably not as true, you know, for someone mm -hmm. like him, but you know, I don't know at the rate he's going, mm -hmm. eventually he will be the only person listening. But Yeah. I don't know. He's, so uh, he's taken a fall from grace. Yeah, he has. Yeah. It's, it's sad. It's, it's one of those things where I have a hard time even listening to the old music now. It's, it's, um, you know, maybe cry me a river and give a buck, but like, it's, right. it's, you know, whatever. So, so yeah. Alex, um, I forgot about this, like the interview, I forgot that he was the one responsible for bringing the Tom Cruise out of you. Um, I forgot to get him to do with Jean-Claude Van Damme, which he, he probably would have refused. But. He's dead. He, so he is and he isn't. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I wanted to hear your side of this story because he, you know. he, he listen, I, I, in every interview, I pretty much always give him credit, but you know, there's a lot of people that are directly related to me kind of putting it out there in a bigger way. Like, so of course Alex is the one who encouraged me to do it for fun at college parties around the college campus, right? And I worked on some things with him and he did a Jean-Claude Van Damme thing and I did Tom Cruise and it was so such a silly thing, but we just kept doing it for random people, like little small groups of people. Um, one time I remember doing Magnolia, which fell flat because I did it for a bunch of kids and respect the cocktail, the cunt doesn't really fly. So... <laughs> Um, but you know, you really got to know your audience. Um, yeah. so, you know, basically he's definitely responsible for 
nurturing it or encouraging me to do it more and more and for recognizing that I had the the natural uh, ability and, and candor and, you know, just the um, attributes of Cruz, right? The, char the charisma, the the hand movements, the gestures, the aura, the essence, all of that, right? And I, I kind of got comfortable in during college doing it more and more and throwing on the glasses and kind of creating a more heightened version of Cruz, which I do today. So I would say that, yes, he, he's, he kind of helped me if he was like a manager, for instance, he helped me craft this, this persona that would eventually become something that I can monetize, but I never in a, in a million years planned or considered this to be a career path. Right. Because back then there it wasn't like, oh, yeah. you could do an impression for a group of people, but it was like there was no way to put it out to the whole world and be like and have money come back. Or, there's no so way to put it out to the whole world. YouTube wasn't even out yet. So when YouTube came about in like 2004, 2003, 2004. Which was maybe like eight years after. This yeah, 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 yeah. So that exactly. Because I started in 97, 98, just doing it for fun. Um, and and by the way, someone in, in high school who I don't credit, I think his name is Greg Verletta, but he's the guy who actually first planted the seed, the inception seed, and said, you know, you really remind me of Cruz and have you ever thought about doing something, you know, like yeah. playing, like acting like him, like SNL sketch comedy. But, you know, that that immediately just, you know, dissipated in my consciousness until Alex kind of brought it out again. Um, but... Alex would be was, pretty persuasive. Yeah, he he well he was. He, he there there wasn't like a time where he wouldn't be pushing me at a party to be like, oh, by the way, my friend Evan, he does this cruise, <laughs> so you, you gotta hear it. And he like he wouldn't yeah. let me not he wouldn't let me not do it. And I had to do it, especially with the drink in me or having a, a smoke, you know, a hit. Yeah. He he knew that's all it would take for me to lose loosen my or let down my guard. Um but when YouTube came about, I had a girlfriend at the time. I think it was Emily Huggins. I forgot. But she's the one who said, just throw throw something up on this new platform, YouTube, before viral was a thing, before, you know, anything. It was just, you know, people being connected through video all over the world. And we thought, you know, why not? Just put something up there. And I did it without a wig and glasses, just did it, just my acting prowess and strengths. And that video was a... Um, a response to uh, Tom Cruise and and Katie Holmes getting married, getting you know, uh, wedding each other. So it was a response to their nuptials, congratulations, and it incorporated Oprah. Couch jumping had not come out yet, nor did Matt Lauer, I don't believe. So it was really just all about that. Oh no, maybe it was about the Oprah couch jumping too, because that's where he he was on her show talking about Katie Holmes. That's when it all started, and that's when kind of Hollywood started knocking and the, the videos started going around the world and in different circles, like, you know, people in the entertainment industry would, you know, start to catch wind about it. And this one guy from high school uh, who was a producer out in LA and I was still living in Queens invited me to come out to do a sketch series called Tom Cruise is a cock block. And that's what kind of put me on the map because it was a very funny concept that we executed really well and we did it with some really great talent and crew um this guy richie keen was the director and he's gone on to do a lot of movies and tv and um he just worked with some really good people and it was it was tight so when funnier die came out shortly after we blew up on funnier die when it was first kind of getting going 
And then um, I wouldn't say I worked consistently after that, but I definitely, things kind of got going. It was the beginning of Maker Studios, which was partner with YouTube, but was the beginning of like a, a lot of YouTube stars. Um, sold to Disney for like close to a billion dollars. But um, I worked with all those, all those influencers and other talent and sketch comedy artists, improv, improv, improvisational artists, um, kind of going up in the world. When the beginning of new media contracts, I was kind of at the beginning of all that. Um, got taken advantage of plenty by the by corporations uh, who yeah, made a lot of money. They made a lot of, mo- what a lot sort of, of money. Scams are they trying to run? Well, well, just just like the new media contract was just a scam from the beginning, and it was the wild west, and they unlike traditional production or content they would you know traditionally you would get paid per piece like per commercial per sketch per whatever and in new media they would pay you a much lower fee because it was a lower contract amount but also throw in as many things as possible in that day for your day rate so you were just taking advantage of like you wouldn't like crazy um and there's a next have, step now that's trying to be yeah. done of the, the ai scans it'll be used in the background for till the end oh, of yeah. time and like oh oh yeah 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 you know even i saw nice. that telemarketing documentary that hbo just did about how crazy it, the the guy who's they're still using his voice after he died as an ai oh my god. Make phone calls like oh my god that's wild i didn't even get that far oh but that's spoiler a spoiler alert but it's pretty wild that's that's a great doc it's it is amazing. I've been telling Very everybody serious. you got to see it. It's because it's, the the access the footage was incredible. You know, yeah, treasure trove. Yeah, um, yeah. that's that's what you would call a documentarian's wet dream when you have that. Like it's like oh. Tiger King. It is, yeah. and it's it's like a Grizzly Man too. Grizz- where you just we just I like mean, that dude man. shouldn't last thirteen minutes. How did he last thirteen years? Grizzly Man though, without Werner Herzog's narration, probably wouldn't have been as good. His, his narration, oh, yeah. he, he's such a it's like philosophical rambling, but cohesively. And he, it's a beautiful, beautiful, but hauntingly beautiful, um, you know, commemoration of that, of that, of that man who, you know, it's controversial, obviously, like, you know, you might say, well, you, you made your bed, you got to sleep in it kind of thing. But he had this wonderful relationship with this bear until the bear, of course, as a, a bear would do in its natural habitat, killed him and his his girlfriend right his yeah. wife girlfriend yeah i think it was his girlfriend um and and the the craziest part about that movie was the fact that they didn't show anything you right. just hurt you and by the way you didn't even hear it you saw, you saw, you saw the reactions it. you saw the reactions of people right. hearing it and it was just horrifying just to know that that that, that footage exists that audio exists and ugh. Because I remember there was no actual video because the camera right. was down and wasn't sh- and like you saw yeah. him listening to it and then he took out and he told the woman after like don't ever listen. I, that's what I remember most about that is what he said to the, the I think the family member who had it but had never heard yeah. it before it was like don't ever listen to that. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's stuck with you for I mean that's a documentary I think about all the time. It's yeah, you know um yeah. so so tom so back to tom i don't know how we got to uh, yeah manning bears <laughs> we went on a, a, a digressive past, a stream of consciousness you know yes. we're in the flow yes yes there's, not, there's nothing edibles. there's nothing wrong with it yeah yesterday's ed- edibles kicking back in again but you know how to with john wilson hbo yeah. oh god yeah yeah i mean that you know my my conversational rambles usually are aligned with like that kind of stream of consciousness flow like like he just goes from he has a theme. Yeah. Now, now we'll get back to it. We'll we'll do a full circle thing, you know. Um, 
but he goes off on so many tangents. Yeah, I love that. But, love but that's that. what I love about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you I, mentioned the jumping on the couch thing that triggered something in me. Were you yeah. on? I I remember you taping something for Always Sunny, but were you like yeah. Tom jumping on the couch? Did that ever air? Or? Uh, it's um, it never aired my episode because they pulled it last minute, and it was I think due to legal reasons they wouldn't really give me an answer. That's but they nice. they had cleared it for. It was a hundredth yeah. episode, wasn't it? Or was hundredth episode? A I was directed. Episode. I was directed by Charlie Day. It was super awesome and. Everyone loved it. It was great footage. Um, I, I got a, you know, a call from the producers a few days prior to it airing, saying you're you're on the show. Tell all your friends and family congratulations. You made the cut. Yeah. So of course I told all my friends and family, and then my mother calls me from New York telling me that I did not make the cut, and it was it was very upsetting. Um, and I was replaced with Josh Groban in a in a very a less funny scene. So does legal reasons mean like, like they thought it was going to piss off TC or like one hundred percent? Wow, it's it's it's. Good I, to I be think Tom. I think I think what happened is they it was creatively cleared, and then they send everything to the attorneys before launch, before official launch for a final, you know, word on everything. I think that's what happened. That's the thing too, because you would. I mean, I obviously have never seen it. I would assume this is likely in the realm of parody. Which you know is yeah, protected course. by law, but that law, those laws don't mean much if you have to defend yourself in court because it's like the court fees are basically the, like, you know worth the penalty. You know, it's it's um. It. I've got a yeah. few cease and desist in my day over stuff I thought I could have won, but like I'm like oh, oh I'm yeah? that slide. Oh well, like what? Well, just like I did like mashups and stuff of oh. um of characters that oh, I think oh, fell oh. under parody, but oh, I don't yeah. want to call any more attention. I actually well, mentioned it in my last episode and showed it. So, <laughs> well, parody, you know, I've ne- like my work, I've never had an issue. Uh, was that you or me? Sorry, that 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 sound was that me. I didn't hear anything. Oh, I heard it on my end. Okay, um, but uh, I've never had an issue because everything's covered under parody laws. Um, and also my name is not Tom Cruise, my brand name. Right. So it's literally in my name that I'm not him. I'm not trying to be Tom Cruise. I'm literally just an SNL kind of mad TV kind of actor who just does one impression, but I do it very well. But I do one one thing and I've exploited it constantly, over and over again doing sketch comedy ideas. Right. And and I'm a window into his world and I provide a window into his world. And I um, I just have fun exploring this this mythos and lore of the crew of cruise which you know the reason why i think it's done so well is because people don't have access to him he's a very private individual and i provide that zany access you know that's a really good point because he's he's somebody who even though he's one of the most famous people in the world he's almost like too famous to do any of this shit like he's like i'm not gonna sit down with like with like he's like he's not gonna do like you yeah, know. you just see him. You see him in press interviews and on the red carpet, and that's right. basically it. Uh, there's no, he's he's not open, right? You know, in maybe to his followers, but it's like, yeah, but I, I mean, but no, he's not because he's not. I mean, he has social media, but he's not the one on responding to anything. And oh, everything on my followers, I I was referring oh. to to um a different type of followers. Oh, yeah, like his uh his religious. You know. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, 
the thing about him though it's it's like you pretty you got pretty lucky when in the handing out of like the, the people that they do the impression of because like yeah. he's he's just as famous i mean he was really 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 famous when he started but he's just as famous now if not more so um, i started I, yeah i started going away i started know? during jerry Maguire, right i started yeah. in 1997 so he was pretty big deal then and of course he was a huge deal when he you know top gun came out and risky business all that but he's uh, and he had some rough spots over the years of course um the war of the world's era or um, you know basically the whole matt lauer oprah thing when he fired his publicist and had his sister do it and she said just be yourself everyone will love it and people didn't like it yeah, it's like so, it's strike one yeah so uh it's amazing how often that's bad but, it <laughs> but he, and then and then post even magnolia was like i think his greatest performance um and then of course he didn't win an academy award now and eyes wide you know, shut too which is my favorite movie uh, of all time. eyes eyes wide shut's fantastic and it gets better and better as as you watch it yeah um agreed. love that movie but uh i think popularity wise he really you know um meteorically just soared after doing all of his stunts and action stuff you know yeah and obviously top gun was a phenomenon too which is you know which is awesome and they're gonna do a days of thunder now they're gonna do everything oh are they're they just, they're just gonna milk it for all it's i worth. love days of, days um, of thunder was my shit. i watched days of thunder when i was a kid i must watch days of thunder a hundred times and top gun like once. yeah so, they're like, definitely gonna do another top gun they're gonna just make you know until it stops losing money they're gonna keep doing it yeah but um i think when he made the decision just to do movies for his fans and not for critics or for you know the the academy he he just chose to to be um continue to be the biggest movie star the old, last movie star in history right i mean I don't, you think, also... I, I, I don't think there's anyone who compares no i mean you think too that we mentioned eyes wide shut that the process of making that movie was the longest continuous film shoot ever it was not with his wife and it was not yeah. long before their separation Right, and, you know, I, they're very private people, and so who knows what. But they, it must yeah. have been a very difficult time in his life, and you could see there was a pivot that was made not long in, in a lot of areas of his life, not long after that. Which for me, love that movie. I was like, I thought I always hoped you'd do movies like that forever. But I mean, you know. to be honest, when you think about it, about what the movie was about, about like you know the or one of the themes about but potential the betrayal between a husband and wife, and right, um, and adultery, or or just the paranoia of of, of adultery. And he's emasculated yeah. at like every yeah. turn in that movie, which is something that when you watch it back yeah. now, you're like, wow, he really just like you wouldn't, you well, probably he, wouldn't see him make a choice to do a film like that again. Well, he he know? he goes he goes on a bender that night, and you don't know what's real, what isn't real, what is you know what's a dream, what isn't you know, and that's the cool thing about that movie. But you know, just when they're smoking pot together. That was that was an amazing uh, scene or sequence about a relation, you know, involving a husband and wife and they're paranoid, and just just the way they they talk to one another, the the um, their love languages, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, Nicole Kidman's performance in that is. I love is, the scenes. Really special. I love the the early scenes where she has the dance with that older. Yeah. Aristocrat. No, yeah, Ziggler's, Ziggler's, yeah. oh, the, uh, Ziggler's the other. That's um, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, but like some some Sydney prince or Pollock. something. It seemed like a prince or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he was completely taken by her, and there was a lot of chemistry between them. And and then of course Tom Cruise had those two beautiful women on his arms, and and was just in heaven. And yeah, yeah it's a fascinating film. That movie, um, it was funny. So 
I actually recorded the commentary to that. Maybe I'll release sometime soon because I was thinking about doing commentaries with this as well. Because that movie, like you said, every time I see it, I see something different in it. And it's not just a small different thing. I get something mm. big different out of that every time I oh, see wow. it. Oh, wow. It's um, cool. There's it's just so especially too as you get older like like if you were like the movie like kids that was a movie that like kids clerks and reservoir dogs are why I went to film school which is why I shouldn't be too surprised yeah. that I'm saying I'm making a movie now that's like the level of clerks like that's what I enjoy but you yeah, watch yeah, a movie yeah. like kids now I was disturbed by that as a kid watching that yeah. now is a real tough set like well, that that's a yeah I mean like even if it was a documentary it'd be hard to watch right you right. know um, it's a very you know, risky film to make. Especially when you look now, you have two actresses in Rosario Dawson and Chloe Sevigny, who I think one of them won an Oscar and the other one, if she hasn't has one yet, Rosario Dawson deserves an Oscar. Mm. And then you have a group of other super talented people who are just no longer with us due to a lot of what you see, you know, the type of life you see in that movie. And it's, um, it's a real... It's one of those movies that it ages, it it changes as it ages because these were our peers and now... I'm sure you know people from that. I think back to when I was that age, some of those people turned out way more successful than I thought, and some of them are no longer with us. And it's like, it's, sure. it's a reminder of that. That's it's really poignant. Yeah, I think it comes down to drugs, just bad influences, you know, because um, some of those people, if they if they went straight edge or if they cut it out and have been sober for 14 years, they probably did all right. right. Um, it's it's the ones that just went down the rabbit hole of of drugs and partying that, it's hard, too hard to get to come back to from that, you know. Yeah. So you meant so was it? Um, I you mentioned so you're from New York originally. Yeah. Was it was it Tom Cruise that really brought you out to Hollywood? Because as you said, you went to college for economics and English. It didn't seem like you were planning it, it on was, doing this. Or well, I wasn't really planning on doing anything with an economics degree. To be honest, it was undergrad means nothing. But yeah. um, I I say I saved I did, up my film degree. Yeah. It's been 35, 30 years. I'm finally making a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's right. So uh, anyone it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to jinx it. So just um I just moved out with my girlfriend at the time. I was lazy living in Queens, had no real uh ambition, um, just kind of floating by. Uh I did have one of the craziest experiences where before I moved, so I moved out with a girl, you know, she was the one who pushed me, been like, let's move out west and we got a bottle of like, or not a bottle, a, a, a bag full of weed. She, she had like an adventure box and it contained weed and different fun things for a road trip and just got me super high and trucked me across the country. That's what got me out there. But but um, back when I was in Queens, I was in terrible credit card debt for the first time in my life, like mount, mounting credit card debt. Like I was drowning in it, maybe $16,000 back then. That's about that's about was, as high as I got too, which is a lot. And yeah, it, was, did, it, felt, it felt like a even, lot. Of even 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 though I even though I wasn't living in New York at the time, like I was living in Queens, like I was yeah. living, you know, a borough. Um, it was still expensive in Queens, no even problem, though it was like yeah. the cheap one of the cheaper boroughs. But um, I was still having a hard time getting by because I was only making intermittent money from PA work and production coordinator work, which is, as you know, like you know, indentured servitude. And then long hours, low pay, inconsistent work, inconsistent, you don't necessarily go from job to job. So there's like, yeah. So I was scrounging together enough for my rent, but I was putting everything on my credit card for, for everything else. 
and living in that town was expensive and having a social life of any kind and just dating was, you know, everything was expensive. So amassed all this debt and I hadn't made any money off cruise, right? Like nothing substantial by any means. Like I did a, I think at that time, maybe I had been flown out to do some work for Disney, some of those lower paid new media contracts. Mm -hmm. I was just discovering that I could possibly make some money doing this, but then I get to excuse my friend here. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then I get, I, I get a message. I thought it was like a Nigerian email scam, but I get a message from on MySpace before Facebook from an Australian magazine called Pacific Mags, Pacific Magazine, right? Never heard of it before. And I always, I was, of course, was very skeptical, but they said they were interested in having me not just star in a couple commercial spots for their magazine, but also write, direct, produce them, right? That must have been so suspicious because you're like, how do we know I can do these things? <laughs> I had never, I had never, I mean, I had produced before. I had done small things. Like I had done Across the Hall at that time. I'd done right. things like that. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, yes. I believe I did Across the Hall at that time. I think so. But I had- The um, time frame when Across the Hall happened is really fuzzy in my head. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I had done the short film at that time. Yeah. But still, yeah, I wasn't making any money. Um everything was hard back then. <laughs> yes. I, so, I that's, uh, that's why I wasn't doing it as much as you guys were. I was, but I, I long story, sh- long story short, I end up getting basically an offer to do this, but present a bid. They asked me to present a bid and I, I did, I presented a bid, but I didn't want to lose the opportunity. So I presented kind of on the lower end, but I also put together 10 ideas. They wanted me to send them 10 ideas and just to green light the whole thing and then move forward. And then we'll give you the budget for it. So I again, I had sixteen thousand in credit card debt. God, I really needed this job, right, to come to actually materialize. So I was so careful to close the deal. And again, I didn't know if it was even real. I just had to take this chance opportunity. So I got together with my brother, came up with ten ideas, pitched them. They loved a couple of them, or two of them were doable for them. And the one they chose was a day in the life of cruise, like. Crews getting a coffee in the morning, crews getting some fish at the fish store, and crews doing a red carpet. So it was like a day in the life, one full day of Tom Cruise, right? And um, and then I set my budget, which was around sixty-five thousand dollars, to do three commercial spots, and my budget for myself, because I was writing, directing, producing, and starring in it, I budgeted about forty thousand dollars for myself. And the rest was going to be the re- the rest of the crew and the, yeah. and the equipment. Because really, it sh- it shouldn't be you're you're the main attraction. You know that might sound yeah. like a lot to some people, but it shouldn't be a, a whole no. lot because you're the, I mean, you're the reason you're there. It, you it, it might it. it might have been a little bit less than that, but it was a good proportion of the whole budget. I mean, you're not shooting and, the Tom the Top Gun like reenactments. No. You know, no. you're not flying everybody to the danger zone. But um. Basically, I hired some really good crew members too. And I remember So they said yes to that. They accepted it. Yeah, yeah. They said yes to it. But I still had to still didn't have the money yet. It was my first time dealing with an international wire transfer. And again, I still wasn't quite sure. I never I never even saw them in person. I never how saw long, how long was this whole process, by the way? Well, this is all through MySpace, like I said. So it was about a, a month. Oh, of, okay. so of, you have of plenty just, of time to sit around going, there's no way this how can this uh, be real? <laughs> a month of a month of going back and forth and have having them okay these different yeah. stages, but but I still maybe talked to them on the phone once, but I had an email with with the people from this company. 
but I, so it went from MySpace to email, right? So then, you know, I'm giving them my account router information, all these things that I was like, just giving it away. Like, oh my God, I could, <laughs> I could either, but how much worse could it get? I'm in 16,000. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So what are you going to tell? I have nothing. I have nothing. Yeah. My dignity. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, day one of, so I was supposed to get the wire transferred two days prior to the start of the shoot didn't come, but I was so in the red right now. And I, I think I was now 18,000 because I had to spend money to, to start the production and to go out of pocket, as you know, finally the day of production, maybe the day after the first day, because I think the day of the production, some of the crew members were like, where's my money kind of thing. Like, like getting serious about it in my face. And I think I had to go out of pocket for that to pay them. That's what it, that's what it was. Um, cause they were very yeah. serious. They'd reserve their time. You'd buy yeah, their yeah, time. Yeah. 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 So finally my first quarter of, or third of the whole shebang came through that next day and it was like life changing. And I paid off all my debt in one swoop. Wow. That's a nice, and I, it was just the most beautiful thing. Um, and also completely unexpected, like out of left field and my whole life. Now, look, obviously I credit, there's a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of either, whether it's my own ability to do this thing well, my natural right. ability, like obviously that there's that I, 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 again, I have not planned any of this career. I've kind of just gone with the flow. And sometimes I've, I've missed the, I've missed like the momentum of things like new platforms, like TikTok and Instagram, but sometimes I've, I've, I've timed things perfectly. So I've, I've had lucky fortuitous moments in my life, but you know, I've haven't done everything right by any means, but my point is that I've kept it going for like 25 years. Right. Um, and but the thing is like, in having known you from back then, that doesn't surprise me. Cause it's like, you're somebody who was always, I was, I had a very hard time talking to people back then, like, especially people I didn't know you yeah. and Alex, especially you were very outgoing. You had no problem. Like you had no problem having an idea and pushing for it. And I remember in the I, early days of us working on five lion, it was like, I felt yeah. next to you two. I didn't know where you had the personal skills and just the drive that I didn't know where to find. And like, it doesn't right. surprise me that you found something out of this, you know? You're yeah. Well, very yeah. Smart. I mean, <laughs> It um yeah I mean look it I did some things right um but I also think that some higher power I believe in a higher power okay has been looking down on me or looking after me you know whether we are the universe experience ourselves whatever it is you believe whether it's manifestation or the secret law of attraction but I some incredibly miraculous things have happened in my life that it was that have taken me from dire straits to above ground and breathe and breathing. Um, uh, so I'm super lucky and I'm very grateful for any of the success I've had over the years, but the Tom Cruise thing has absolutely saved my life on several occasions from out of left field. And, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a hard it's thing to plan for. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so I remember seeing a picture of you with Tom once. Yeah. Um, what was that like? How that um, it was at Chateau Marmont, this this famous iconic landmark hotel in Los Angeles, and I was having dessert drinks with some friends. I heard a rumor while we were in the garden. Uh, my friend was sitting in the corner and beckoned me over and said, "Tom Cruise is in the building. You have to find him." Uh, and I was really excited to be in, in this, maybe in the same room with him, breathing in the same oxygen. 
and he uh, was nowhere to be found. I looked everywhere for him. I, I went to the bathroom, even looked under the stalls, nothing. And then I get back to my seat. I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that he, he might have just left and it's okay. I'll see him another time, um, which probably wasn't going to happen because I haven't seen him since. <laughs> You don't but just bump point, into him at like um, no. the Piggly Wiggly or something. No, or at Whole Foods. He doesn't shop at yeah. Trader Joe's. I don't think he knows how much a, no. a bunch of bananas costs. No, 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 no. He has no idea the cost of bananas. So he's, I get back to my seat and, and all of a sudden he's just to the left of me, 10 feet away, back to me, talking to Jeremy Renner and a couple other people at his table, like uh, Krasinski, John Krasinski was there, people oh, from the office. Lord. Yeah. It's like a big dinner dinner they were having. And I called the waiter over and I thought it'd be nice to, and to commemorate our first time meeting one another by sending over a bottle of champagne. And the waiter shot me down immediately. Like it was code red, like, you know, you, you, you'll you be banned from Chateau and I'll be fired. Super serious about it. No, no laughing, no smiling, yeah. no, nothing, nothing encouraging. Just you're done. Don't even mention it again. So I was like, fuck, okay, great. Um, I guess I'm not going to do that. But my girlfriend at the time said to me, there's no way in hell you're leaving here tonight without meeting him. So she actually is the reason why I met him because end of the night rolls around. He leaves with Jeremy Renner and a couple of friends saying, you know, he's like holding people and laughing and saying yeah. his goodbyes. And it was, and I nodded to him. Of course, he didn't see me. And I'm having my last call. I was pretty, pretty drunk. Three sheets to the wind. He's um, he's gone. I'm last call. So it's two in the morning. My girlfriend excused herself to go to the bathroom. My phone is dead. My friend Jimmy and I are just the only ones in the garden. And he gets a phone call from Donna, my girlfriend. And my phone was dead. So, and I didn't know, I'd given Donna his number just in case my phone died, but I'd forgotten yeah. that. And he says to me, Tom Cruise is waiting for you in the lobby, in the valet, the valet area. And I said, shut, I said, shut the fuck up. Cause he, he messes with me all the time yeah. and he says it again, Tom Cruise is waiting for you at the valet. No, and he didn't smile at all. He just said it. He, was, he was in disbelief. Yeah. I get up out of my chair, sprint. And Jimmy, Jimmy's kind of walking behind me or running behind me, but cause he eventually was there too. I think to take the final picture. Cause so I get there, he's waiting for me. Jeremy Renner's there too, but he wasn't paying Jeremy any attention. It was just Tom Cruise and I in, yeah. in, you know, we, we, we were in love. It was beautiful. Had he, did he know about you at all? Or did he, he... Pick, he, pick, he picked me up and twirled me around and, did he, and really? plant, he planted me, planted one on my lips. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> but like, had he like, is he, I mean, I don't, I don't know what a guy like Tom Cruise is even aware of in terms of like, I mean, I don't know if he, he probably doesn't follow my stuff, but he was definitely aware because I was on uh I had one best Tom Cruise impersonator contest on uh, Extra. I had friends hit me up about that yeah. because Mar in Mario Lopez and, and yes. he sh he showed some of my early stuff to Tom Tom Cruise, and that's, yeah, um, that's actually so people hit me up about that a bunch because you know like two truths and a lie that that thing the yeah. icebreaker thing. So all over the years of me having to do that at all the different corporate jobs I've had, yeah, my two truths have always been that I went to college with a with the best Tom Cruise impersonator in the world and George Carlin <laughs> once complimented me on my shirt. Cuz it's wow. like those both happened and like but yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And so like so then the other one is wherever I make up for the lie. And so people have always remembered that when they, when that happened, I had a bunch of people text me like, is this the guy that, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's him. Right. That's hysterical. Yeah.
So how'd that come about? Because yeah. that that was pretty like it was just so like validating because you know obviously we all thought you were the best Tom Cruise personator out there, but to hear well, to hear AC just, Slater say it, you know? yeah, yeah. So I you look, I I took advantage of every opportunity back then. Like this is these are good choices I made back then. It's called networking. <laughs> Well, networking, but jumping on opportunities when they present themselves. So there was an opportunity to submit something. It took very little effort. I just posted one of my videos. I think it was the first YouTube video I ever posted, again, without the glasses, without the wig. But it was a decent montage of his best performances, of his iconic performances. And that's what I think they showed, I'm pretty sure. I don't think I've recorded anything differently. So that was cool. And then, you know, years later, I've, I've timed some things out really well. Um, like, again, I missed the boat on certain platforms, you know, cause I could have done, had a bigger following or gotten on the early on the train and started producing regular content. But, but I'm, you know, I'm focused on quality and not, con not, um, right. and not the, uh, quantity, but there was the best choice I ever made. And it, it was a choice that was, I was again, pushed to do so by this friend of mine, but when Justin Bieber tweeted one evening to Tom Cruise himself, who is not, he doesn't know him, but he said, Hey Tom, let's fight in the octagon UFC. I just want to fight you. He was probably high, right? Yeah. Justin Bieber wrote this to Tom Cruise. Yeah. So my friend said to me, you have to respond as, as Tom, as Tom won't respond. And that's essentially what I've done in my career. When Tom doesn't respond to things, which he doesn't, <laughs> I respond. That's amazing. So I, so I responded to Justin Bieber. I just, did a video directly to Justin Bieber. And that went viral on Twitter, which I had never done before. I had like, I think almost a million views. I tagged Dana White. I tagged people like, you know, affiliated with UFC. I just like- yeah, Start training. <laughs> yes, exactly. Start, well, my second video that I put out, because my first one went viral, was me training like Rocky style and taunting Justin Bieber further. And I called him Justine Bieber, you know? Oh. And still um, singing to this day, I'm sure. Maybe, maybe we'll see. What is it like when but, so when you start getting that? But level but, of... but I want I want to say one thing. So since that those videos, I'm no joke. That was back in 2019, I think. I literally have been working consistently ever since. Wow. And by consistently, I mean like I get offers or calls nearly every day of my entire life since that video came out because it's just a momentum thing yeah because i'm just thinking and, there's no way for you to really market it i mean you can do you can, you can do market a little bit but it's really well, like word of mouth like or just yeah, can, word I, of video you know the, the way you got to do it unfortunately which is the energy part the energy component because now i have a kid who's almost three years old i have very limited limited energy i'm 44 it's much easier 20 years ago but um, you got to put out regular, you got to put out content. And if you don't put out that content that's shared on social media, people just forget about you or think you don't do it anymore. Right. So the example I use is like Kendrick's new album. We waited mm -hmm. for that for years. It came, it was amazing. Everybody forgot about it in like a week. Wow. It's like, that's like, it's so hard to keep things yeah. momentum, you know? You got to be, in, you got to stay in the zeitgeist. And if you're not in the zeitgeist, then, then it's really hard to, even if you're talented, to have anything you know, go anywhere. But um, also Top Gun Maverick was a phenomenon. And I, 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 I made more money that year than I've ever made in my entire life. Wow. And it's all because of Top Gun Maverick. So you're really rooting for those big opening weekends. I am, but I'm also really trying to figure out an exit strategy to all of this and like my next moves. Cause again, I don't have 
all the energy that I once had. And yeah, I, I would love what is, to. What's Tom doing to hold on to the energy? <laughs> I guess he's well, got those Tom Cruise boxes. Well, what I what I genuinely would like to do, but it requires a lot of short term work, and then eventually I could just, you know, really enjoy the work and get paid a lot of money, uh, ten times what I'm making now, let's say. But to do um, motivational speaking across the world or all over the world, uh, across the globe, as flat earthers say, um, and uh, and do like TED talks as Tom Cruise. So I, I I would I would I would do I already do these kind of talks so like corporate America, Fortune five hundred companies yeah. hire me. Some of my, my bread and butter work is they hire me to travel mostly domestically, but I've done some you know in in London and, and New Zealand. But they, they they hire me to to travel to their sales conferences, their annual sales conferences, and I do them pretty consistently. And and um, I'm on stage with the CEO, the CTO, COO, and I do sketches or I do you know keynote presentations with a teleprompter. But I rehearse them um, in front of thousands of people, so I already do that. However, I want to bring my own script to the table, my own 45 minute keynote. Right. And if I can do that and write a corresponding kind of how-to mission statement, Jerry Maguire's mission statement for salespeople. Basically, what I've learned as a Tom Cruise impersonator, what attributes I've learned that will help you, a salesperson, sell things better. That's essentially what, I can, what I've been putting together. That's I'm a doing great idea. So I'm doing that now, and, I, and, and, and it's really like, an, I mean, I would be an entertainment performer or entertainment right. uh, speaker. Perfect for that venue, because I've been, in the, yeah. my career, I've been, in the, I've been involved in hiring performers for huge sales conferences before. It's a great gig if you can get it's, it. Like, it's, it's a phenomenal gig if I can get it, and I know all the hiring. I know the people who do all the hiring, right? So yeah. I really just got to put it together, and if you build it, they will come. And the payoff, the payout is incredible. Like, I know people who have these best-selling books of course i need to write a book that 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 a corresponding book but if i can which i will then i could make like thirty-five thousand to sixty thousand dollars a speaking engagement yeah like that's insane yeah, it is it's, and, and, and then, they fly you out there they put you up someplace nice like i do i do i do 20 of them a year and i'm making millions of dollars a year yeah well over a million dollars by not year. being tom cruise no one and else is making this sort of money by not. And, being then, and, then, and then the rest of the, t the rest of the time I had my leisure to be with family. And yeah, that's know. like, that's like the game show host is like the best job in, in Hollywood. Cause you work like you yeah. tape a weeks at work of episodes of, of a day. And there's like, you know, 20 weeks of reruns You work like 30 exactly. hours a day or 30 hours a year, you know? So work, work less, live more. I'm yeah. always trying to get in, you know, do that. And, but I all, you know, sometimes I'm really lazy. So I just, it, you know, the work comes in, I, I do the work, get paid, but I, I really need to level up. And the only way to level up is to put in that, to really put in that due deal, like so much, you know, sweat equity into this new venture to not have to make, to basically just move on from this high intensity job that I have. Yeah. What's beautiful about this idea though, is that of course, you're competing with other people trying to get those jobs, but you're not competing with like other Tom Cruise impersonators. Like you have, no, like you, a, there's it's, so it's much a, of a niche there. It's you know, it's a it's a unique offering. It's a unique offering and presentation. And essentially, what I have to do is to write a, a corresponding little manual book, but then more importantly, do a video of me as if it was a TED conference, doing my 45 minute piece. And that's, that's what I send to people. Or I do a short demo of that. You know, I cut it down, but 
but I need, I need that to sell it. I need a proof of concept. You know, it would be great too. And I, this, I'm just spitballing here. Do you ever, you know, that masterclass thing? Do you yeah. ever sign up? I love that. Someone gave me a script for that. Yeah, I did. It would be I did funny that for... to do a Tom Cruise master, like a, a not Tom Cruise masterclass. I love that. Like the, the David Lynch that. one, if you haven't seen that, it's absolutely yeah. bonkers. And Tom, a Tom Cruise masterclass produced really well would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can, you know, yeah. and those are pretty low budget too. I mean, you could, you could put them yeah. together pretty easily. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just need, um, just need a, a leather chair and like, you know, some books behind me. and Some dramatic lighting yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. all that good stuff. Um, so yeah. I wanted to, you've done, I got your IMDb credits here and there's a bunch of things I wanted to ask you about if, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, go for it. One thing too, before I forget is, I don't know if, Alex might have told me this years ago, but I've never asked you about this. Did you work with Yoko Ono on a play yeah. at some point? You need Because uh, I've always been curious about that, but never had a chance to talk to you. What was that experience like? That was amazing. Um, I was 15 years old. I played um, a street kid. Um, I was one of nine cast members, and it was autobiographical about John's murder. So it was very really, heavy. yeah. It was actually about but, John. Wow. Yeah, and it was Yoko and John's music that they wrote for Double Fantasy. I believe it was a bunch of songs from there. That was. How did you get involved with this? I was I was cast just as a wow. you know it was basically a musical theater, but it was a rock opera. Um, I worked with some incredible people. I'm more, I worked with this guy, Jason Robert Brown, who has gone on to win many Tony Awards. He's like the the new Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim, or is considered to be like a, a prodigy and, and musical theater com, you know, composer. Um, and so he wrote music, but he's also does the orchestra, the transposing and orchestration, I guess. But um uh, worked with this guy Phil Osterman, great director. Um, and then the cast was terrific, and I had some big numbers. Um, and dancing, I had to do a lot of dancing in it, which I'm not a dancer, but I had to do like abstract dancing and pole dancing work. I was on a pole. I just always uh, think of there was an episode of Mad About You where yeah. Yoko Ono hired Paul Reiser to make a movie, and she told him she wanted to film, wanted him to film the wind. And he spent the whole episode trying to figure out what that meant. Oh my god, that's hilarious! And I, was she like, she was in it though. She was in, it. and they kept saying like, oh, wow. "Don't mention the Beatles. Don't mention the Beatles." And when she comes out, she's in full like hippie with like the Beatles playing. <laughs> that's hysterical. By yeah. the way, I I did talk to her about the Beatles, and I talked to her about John's death, and I talked to her about everything. Really? I was fifteen. I was fifteen years old, so I can kind of like get away with more. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that I was trying to. I was just a kid, just curious, yeah. you know. And I was I was with Sean Lennon quite a bit, and he was next door at the Dakota. I ended up staying at the Dakota, which is where John was shot. And I stayed there, slept in John's bed for twelve nights, wow. because there were all the there were all these snowstorms back in then in nineteen ninety three, and Yoko invited me to stay at her place because I I couldn't get into the city for rehearsals for dress rehearsals. So so was she still living there? Mm -hmm. She wow. still lives there. Still to this and day, lives there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But she slept in a different room. So the room that they used to share is now the guest room. That's the room that I slept in. And I, I played the white piano that he wrote Imagine on. It's crazy. I played Hot Cross Buns on the piano because that's all I knew. That piano might have been on that Mad About You episode too, I think. That piano is like the most legendary piano in the world. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I fucking played it looking out over Central Park West. And I also had snowball fights with Yoko because right, right at, you know, they were at Central Park West, 76th, I think. And then I also watched Goodfellas with her, I remember. Um, 
I was invited to her summer home in Oneonta, New York, which is like a big log cabin with 600 acres. And I drove ATVs with Yoko, ATVs throughout the mountains with That's Yoko. Funny. I love stories of that. I have a friend who has a paintball painting by Rosie O'Donnell because he knew someone who knew her and they're at the house once. She was just shooting um, canvases with a paintball gun. I was like, here, take one. <laughs> so I'll admit <laughs> this, even though like it's that. it's not something you share on podcasts typically, but I- I can always cut it out if you want later. Well, maybe, but I was- the craziest thing happened. So one time I was um, on Laserdisc. She had Laserdiscs at uh, at at the log cabin in Oneonta. And I popped in Caligula. And I, I may or may not have begun to pleasure myself while watching it downstairs. Yeah. And she has very, she's very soft little, little feet. And I didn't, didn't hear her coming. And she, she comes downstairs and I, I believe she caught me in wow. the act. Yeah. Um, that was, that was crazy. <laughs> That's funny. And then, oh, and another, another funny experience with her is that I did a lot of fight choreography in the show. And there was a scene where in dress rehearsal, I'm being thrown into a garbage can and I'm being pulled by the hair and tossed into, you know, in a fight. And that day, I, I don't know if I wore, I think I wore boxer briefs or I don't know what it was or very loose fitting boxers, but the guy who took me by the feet and threw me into the garbage can took everything off of me. And I was naked, exposed in front of Yoko and the rest of the producers. Wow. Thoroughly embarrassing. Yeah. What was the so, show called? New York Rock. New York so Rock. Yeah. Everything and I, you just and mentioned. We, we, we did an album too on, on Apple Records. That was awesome yeah, too. I recorded I recorded an album on Apple. Welcome to my Google search history, New York Rock. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything you just described does not sound at all like it's about the death of John Lennon, though. <laughs> like, what? Like, what well, is- I mean, so I, so I played like a street kid junkie part of the. I, I think I killed John. I, I was one of the characters that I you know, believe. You were Mark David Chapman? They, I, yeah, but it, it wasn't Mark. It was it was a bunch of street kids that just, you know, the so whole thing was about. fictionalized telling. Oh, you go, you explain it better than me because you'll. You know, that's what exactly what it was. It was a fictionalized telling of a similar type of story about lovers in New York and and how one, and he's, he's an aspiring musician. So I think he wasn't like famous. He was just an aspiring musician. I believe he was just gunned down. And it's about the aftermath of that and the, and and you know kind of idealistic uh revolution to 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 get guns out of kids hands just to throw guns out i remember there was a scene where we threw all the guns out in the trash can it was super okay. artsy and abstract but you know it wasn't it had some great moments and some show-stopping numbers in a dark way i mean i guess show-stopping is the wrong terminology to define to talk about something that's so dark but it was um it was compelling. It was just, it just didn't, we had, we had an opportunity to, to to do the show in Japan, which I was super excited about to go to Japan and do the show. But eventually it, it all went away. Cause I think the, the investors just backed out last minute, but um, I had some amazing experiences. I hung out with Cindy Lauper a few times wow. and like just cool things like cool, epic such scenarios that are kind of legendary. Like I never would have been in that situation otherwise. So what was the, so you had a lot of success before I even met you. Like you obviously, no, no one I know had these sort of experiences in high school. Like, um, and then you went to college to, to study English and um, yeah. economics. What was it that made you think that this wasn't really, you know, despite your successes, this wasn't really the life for you? Well, 
I was still, you know, my so some interesting things that happened were my agent at the time, because I was doing pretty well at the time, and I was kind of like on a roll, and casting directors knew me, and I was like top of the list for different casting directors. Um, and I was up for some things, like I was up for, just to let you know, one of the funny things I was up for that I almost, I wouldn't say I almost got it, but I had a director's meeting. I had three callbacks, but I almost, again, almost maybe I was up against three or four other people, but I was very close to getting Robin and Batman and Robin. So Chris O'Donnell got it. Really? But I was up. Yeah. I almost got That's Robin amazing. because they wanted like a real boy wonder initially. Yeah. And I was, you would have been good in that. Yeah. I was, I he was, was he was what? 136 years old trying to play Robin. Like, well, he was a little bit, he was a little bit older, but he, he yeah. was still good, good casting. But, but he was, I, yeah, he was good. But I mean, those I was, movies uh, weren't, you know, I, I was, movies, but... I was like more the boy wonder choice. Yeah. Right. I could see that. And uh, yeah, I, I remember meeting with Joel Schumacher about it. I also had auditions for Paul Simon years ago. You know, I met with Paul Simon, which is so cool. Um, what was he yeah, doing had, in, in that realm? So he was doing a show called Cape Man. He was the writer of, of Cape Man. Yeah, a Broadway oh. show. Oh, I love Paul Simon. Uh, yeah, it was that, it was like a lot of Graceland music, I think, and then original music. But um, yeah, I had like awesome experiences. But uh, when I went to college, that the... I think it was the summer during the summer of the first year of college, I ended up booking two things. I ended up booking a Broadway show revival or not a revival, a Broadway show for Tom Sawyer, the musical, which was cool. And I did, I did the backers audition for that, which is like the period where they rehearse and, and try to raise money for it. Mm -hmm. So I was part of that whole thing, but it was the original cast of Tom Sawyer. And then I also did a similar thing for a movie called camp which was stage door manor inspired. Um, that, that sounds familiar. I think I've seen camp. So, so camp, camp ended up getting made, but without me, because both of them were kind of fell through for me. And I think that's why I went back to school because I took a year off from college to do these two projects. Yeah. And I worked on both of them for six months at the same time, I believe, or back to back. And I really was like, well, why even go back to college? I'm just doing really well right now. But the first, so camp fell through because they decided or they lost their financing at $6 million to do it. And they were going to do it with Kevin Spacey and a decent cast. And I was a star of the movie. And it was very exciting, you know, 19 years old and would have been awesome for me. And they ended up losing the financing and then getting new financing, but only to do it for $2 million. And they had to do it non-union. Non yeah. they, they did it as an equity production. So just equity members could do it, not SAG. So the entire cast got scrapped. It sucked. Uh, so that sucked. And then Tom Sawyer, I ended up going back to college and then it goes to Broadway. And But now I was back in college and I couldn't do the Broadway run. So I was invited to do the Broadway run, but I couldn't do it. And was that then, a tough decision? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little bit, but the Broadway show ended up running for a week and then closing down. Yeah. I was going to say so many things are not guaranteed, even when they sound like, you know, yeah. really, it's like, it's a miracle. Anything ever gets made in the entertainment, but industry, I, especially but something I, good. I basically was like, let me just get an education. And I spent, by the way, I paid for college myself. So my entire, all the money I've made growing up, I put it all into at Boston university, very expensive school, as you know. Yeah. Um, but I did it. That's why I graduated and, in three years. I didn't want to pay for a fourth year. <laughs> I went to I went to summer school too, and yeah. so I, I took a year off. But I still ended up graduating in three years because I went to summer school. Yeah, 
And now yeah. BU was an expensive school too. There, it's it what it is now is insane. It I think it's like close thirty-two to, grand think, or something back. Then. I think it's yeah. twice that now. I think it's twice. <sighs> good lord. Yeah. You know, just yeah. We had some um, good times. We had some good times there, though. I loved it there. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. There's um Alex. I was for the film I'm working on. I'm, I'm digging up some old footage that I'm sort of incorporating in, and and Alex was nice enough to dig up the aftershock. Um, oh wow! Behind the scenes stuff that we did. That's awesome. Which was, um, you know, really took me back. It's just, it's, it's nuts. It's just that was with that was with Joy, right? Joy was in that. No, this was the one where oh, aftershock. What is that? Yeah, that was still in college, where like you played the person who like didn't woke up and didn't know where he was. Oh, that one's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. The drunk, the drunken night, right? Yep, yep, yep. That's a very that that was with what's her name? Um, the redhead. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but I can picture the redhead. The redhead. Like, we we cast her, and I don't think we really were friends with her before or after, but she was really good in it. She was a redhead, and then, and then, the guy comes up behind the bed, and we had a threesome, I guess, or something, something like. Yeah, it was Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Aaron. That was his name. He was wearing the tank top. He was big. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that was his name. It's I have yeah. just a hard time remembering these people that we used to spend all um, this time with. I know. You know. Um, all right, so I don't want to hold it for too long. Let me ask about a few other quick experiences. Sopranos. Yeah. Sopranos. So that was really interesting because I, I, I have a, I have a, a theory about what happened. I was, you know, I, I auditioned for Sopranos, but I auditioned for a lot of HBO stuff and some good stuff. But booking something is something is sometimes very challenging. I don't book that often, you know. I book. I've had a lot of rejections in my life, thousands and thousands. You know, it's just since I was seven years old. So I ended up getting this job without auditioning, okay? Now, it was a very small role, but I did have a few lines, and I had a name, Brandon. I was one of his, one of AJ's friends in the show. Um, but I was, you know, featured throughout an entire episode. It was a pretty cool episode because it was a, a controversial one with the gay mobster, remember? I've actually, to be honest with you, I've only seen, you the, seen, I've only seen the last episode of The Sopranos. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there was a gay mob. But I am going to go back that, and watch this one. Though. But that was a very big storyline in one of the seasons of, you know, because it was an interesting one. Like what happens if a mobster is is gay? Right. Yeah. Or comes out like it's like it's like the DL, you know. So, um, yeah, it was just it was a cool one to be a part of. But um, I I was dating a girl at the time named Jamie. I won't say the last name, but the. Uh, Lee Curtis. I don't worry. I know. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, (laughs) but her father was the head of the teamsters. Okay. Tony Curtis was the head of the team. All right. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. but he was, uh, of course, affiliate, like all the, all the shows, Sopranos and, you know, um, the teamsters, uh, you know, run all the shows, um, you know, behind the scenes at least. And I'm pretty sure that she got me the job on that show. I'm almost positive. Were you still dating at the time, or was it, it was just while, like... it was while we were dating that I was on the show, and and again you don't you don't get a job like this even if it's a one liner, two right. liner, three liner without auditioning. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. But it is funny though that you can get the job and never find out how exactly because that is a very like entertainment business thing to do because once you're there yeah. you're just there doing it and it's like you don't yeah. even want to be like you don't want to ask a question because they might go wait a minute why are you here <laughs> like, you know you don't want to yeah freeze. I, I I didn't question it too much I just did the job and was was grateful for it and then you know always wondered what 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 that was all about we did break up not soon after not not long after I'd love to find out actually I'd love to hit her up and ask her yeah. Yeah. Just because it would it would give me a little bit of peace, even though I don't care that much, but it's kind of funny. It is it was weird just like, though. 
Yeah. It just, you know, it doesn't happen very often. Um, but I still get residuals to this day, even though they're very minor and small. But um, I probably in one day of work made like close to $7,000, $10,000 off of a very minor role. That's not bad at all. You know, and, and, and you, in, in a prestigious show, that's always, you're always going to have your name attached. I just, to I just wish I had more days on these shows because residual payments are great. Yeah. And I think Sopranos not, is one that will keep coming. And a lot of these other ones, yeah. you know, that, that not, show will live forever. Not in streaming, of course, because that's what this whole strike is about. Streaming sucks, but the, um, but royalties and residuals are, are what it's all about. You know. Is there anything regarding the strike that you feel like touching on? It's it's a really like, well, it's a mess. It feels like it's going to go on forever. Yeah, it's all about leverage and who who can survive longer. Um, I mean, the the first bad news, or I guess it depends on how you look at it, but the first you know hit that uh, um, the studios are taking from Warner Brothers that came out today that I think they're going to lose $500 million right now because of the strikes. They originally said a few months ago that they were making money because they've had an uh, increase in subscribership. Same thing with Netflix. You know, the password sharing thing didn't yeah. stop them from making, they, they gained subscribers, believe it or not. But I think now the studios are starting to feel, or at least the streaming services are going to start to feel the pinch. And, you know, they're beholden to shareholders and things might change. I mean, you know, solidarity is what it's all about. Um, I don't know if these interim agreements are helping or hurting, but I think optically it, it doesn't look good. Like the optics right. are bad, but it might bring studios closer to the table because in the end, it's about, you know, the competition of content because eventually content slates will prevail and the ones who are developing new fresh content will end up doing pretty well, I think. Um, people will get tired of going through the same old content on on these streaming services if nothing new is being produced. So if you have A24 or other companies that are doing the interim agreements, making their content, then the studios will be way behind, will fall behind. And, uh, you know, they they eventually, there has to be a, a moment of threshold where they, they have to come to the table. Um, I know... And then the thing is, though, actors, the actors who weren't making money, which is the majority of, of actors, are still not making money, but nothing's changed there. The actors who are making money, who are not making money right now, have so much money that they don't really care. Same thing. And with that's the, the thing, too, where it's like if you average the, the really high salaries where they're getting, you know, millions or even tens of thousands with everybody else, it's like it's there was there was some statistic about how and i don't know if this is true or not but if you took the salaries of the seven highest paid business people in hollywood and cover all the money that the actors are asking for or all the writers or something like that yeah. and it's just the difference is so it's too huge you know it's yeah i mean you know probably the rich are getting richer the poor are getting poorer kind of thing like the difference between the one percent and 99 percent it's a, a larger divide than it's ever been um i know that the ceo bonuses have pissed off a lot of people or the the fact that they just the the discrepancy in how much they get paid is outrageous now, but you know it's always been like that. It's just getting worse. Um, right. But the the biggest existential threat to everybody is definitely AI, and that's something that you know we live in a capitalist society. It's inevitable that that corporations or producers in the entertainment industry will utilize every tool they can AI to 
not ever have to rely on actors, egos, annoyances, contracts, anything they can to avoid that bullshit part of the business. Right. They're going to they're going to try. So well, part of it too, I, there seems I, to be I, this. I, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I was just saying, I get why they're doing it. Right. I get why this is like the last stand, but that's why I think like they have a bigger, they have more leverage and they always will because it's business. And I hate that, but you know, back to art versus commerce, it's, it's a business. It's not to show friends, it's show business. Yeah. And unfortunately, because we live in this capitalist society, profits will always take, you know, it's profits will always take precedence or be more important than anyone's feelings yeah. or anyone's jobs. That's what it comes down to. They, they don't care about the majority people having, making acting a livelihood or writing a livelihood. It's a pipe dream if you really want to come get down to it. For it most is, people, yeah. for most people, and it's always been, and it's admirable. Like I, you know, I obviously I'm I'm I support artists, but it's still a absolutely unlikely scenario for someone to make it as an artist. Anybody who tries is at least partially delusional. I would of say. course, absolutely. Myself absolutely. included, probably yourself included. You know. Oh yeah, like... yeah, yeah. And look, I, I, I don't make my money in acting traditionally. I make my money as a Tom Cruise impersonator, as a niche thing I carved out. Right. Um, I also am in real estate because I need other other forms of income, and I have investments. But I, uh, if I solely did acting, um, even if I was fantastic, and like, because I, I don't really consider myself a fantastic actor. I'm good at one thing really. And I might be, I might have some funny moments in my acting. Like, I guess, I guess, but I, I'm, I, I'm not, you know, I don't put myself in categories of being a good actor, but even if you're a great actor, the, the industry is so inefficient that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Well, you that's know? one of the problems too, that I was going to mention before. So I'm more of a musician than I am any, any other stuff. And like what you saw with music was that like, People are going to, all right, no one's paying $20 for a CD anymore or whatever. It's like, there's so much more music now. The value of it goes down because it's so much easier to make. And now with content, it seems like what's happening is that they make a billion shows with the hope of those five or six that really squid game up and blow up yeah. and pay for the rest. But right. like they have, but like if they're not making a zillion shows, it's like, that means they're taking less shots at that big one. So they have to find a way to still make the zillion shows, make it affordable because it's yeah. like in Hollywood does not know what's going to succeed. Like that's the thing too. No. It's like they still don't know. But it's but like... studio no no but stu they throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks, right? Yeah. But studio AI they can throw a lot more spaghetti at once. Exactly. And and if they can do that, it's all about the law of numbers. So the more you throw at the wall, doesn't matter if of of the 30 that throw at the wall, if 29 of them are failures, that last one will be a massive success and counter for all, all the failures. Yep. So independent studios or independent productions or producers, they're only as strong as their as their product. So they if they if they miss one, if they bank, if they if they fail at one, they might go under. Yep. Yep. It's funny. That's one thing I've used this podcast for is to sort of um get answers to questions that I had. It was stuff like there was a there was a big techno label that was that was huge into him 25 years ago and they just disappeared one night. And I tracked the guy down who owned it and had him on. We talked about him. I got my answers. And it comes down to stuff like that where it's just like when you're that when you're yeah. independent, almost anything can just it's it, right. he was they were knocked out by 9-11 by a chain of events that started with 9-11 knocked out his, yeah. his techno label. You know? It's, wow. Wow. It's, yeah. 
So, all right. I don't want to hold you much longer. One thing I do want to do, you mentioned your brother, Sky Ferrante. I just want to give him a yeah, shout yeah. out because he's a really amazing oh, artist yeah. in his own Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah his no, name is, he, he goes by Man of Wire. He's a wire sculpturist and a sculpture, sculptor, sculptor, not sculpturist, a yeah. sculptor. And he, um, yeah, he's done very well. He does a lot of commission work, works with burlesque artists and high-end escorts and just anyone who's willing to get naked in front of him and usually it falls into that category um yeah. but uh exhibitionist because he does a lot of like public sculpting um so there's this place petite hermitage in la that he has a residency at and he just is sculpting nudes all day and people can kind of walk by and partake and see what he's doing and it's very open people yeah is this um, um i mean to have it's just you and him right are the only two siblings yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Was did this... i ever tell you did i ever tell you the time on the sculpting side of things one of the funniest and exciting things that i've ever done involved this sculptor in queens who had a big crush on me um every time i walked by he would kind of like almost catcall and he lured me into his place and I was always very reluctant to go in. He, I knew he was a sculptor. I never saw his work, but he would always be like, come to my studio, come to my studio, have like, some tea. And I always avoided the ones they I, warned me about. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was with, the, I usually had a girlfriend. I was with a girlfriend typically all the, every time I walked by sometimes alone, but I always, you know, made him know that I wasn't interested. But um, one day I think with her, I walked into his studio because I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable going alone and he showed me his work and it was actually really amazing he sculpted bronze statues bronze and and other precious like other metals too but um he asked me if i would if i would pose for him for a commission piece and that commission piece was going to be bought by a billionaire and be in a billionaire's courtyard forever okay and so i did a you know puck from midsummer night's dream yeah i played puck and I basically was naked, but I had a jock strap for the job because I didn't want to be naked in front of him. Yeah. So I wore a jock strap and I have the pictures of myself in his courtyard, this billionaire's courtyard, but it's basically my whole body and 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 I'm off on just on display. That is amazing. Yeah. Is that crazy? It's crazy to think that like there's so much you've been able to cram into this life too. It's like you have a, a great story for everything, man. It's that is crazy. Yeah. It's probably still there to this day. It is, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one of his most beloved possessions. Of course, you should go I, in there I was, and dress it up I, like risky business. I, I, I had a, I had a flute and everything. Holy shit! How long did you have to yeah. stand there for? Um, it was probably like a few hours, oh, two okay. hours. Not, not terrible. That's funny, man. All right, well, yeah. I could go on and talk to you forever about this stuff, but um, I know you probably got stuff to do. Well. And- I just want to get into a pool right now. I'm very hot. I want to swim in a pool right now. Yeah, it is really but, um, hot. But thank yeah. you for having me. I probably thank should take you, off man. this. Probably should take off the sweatshirt. That would be smart. <laughs> um, but uh, thanks so much for having me. It was so great to see you again. And you too, man. I wish I wish you well. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll hit you up next time I'm in LA. I, I, now that John's out there, oh, too, please I'm, do. I'm having, like, I've been, I actually uh, I hadn't talked to Alex in I would love that. a decade. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We'll all get together. Just, yeah, and I figured now that like I'm talking to him again, I'll find some time to come out there. So let's do it. Let's do cool, it. Cool, man. All right. All right it's bud. been a pleasure, man. I'll talk to you. Talk to you. Bye. Some motherfucking dub in You feel me?
city blocks for low if any guap Same shit, eh, yeah, my first full gray hair One more felony, I might have my first full gray beard It's way weird, feel like that was only yesterday I'ma slowly blow like parolees, the homies guesstimate When I blow, don't roll me like you know me, no hit the exit stage Left of the tackle spray, redirecting your steps this way If real shit progressing, got the steel with the vested Even in the summertime, I will Smith and Wesson You cutting from the grassy, so underground Nardwar wouldn't know what the fuck to ask me I stick it in the stomach, now let me hit the throat She call me Mr. Drummond So many different strokes, your punchlines Mr. Drummond Audience Mr. Jokes to your family return from visit folks Cause her man went from damaged kid to damn he's rich But she still can't stand the way he manages To never put nickels in the can for the cancer kids Plus he cheats at corn holding rags that he won So she lost interest like porno after she comes My DM started jingling baby as it was done Two seconds later I can hear the snapping of her gums She calls me half Dodge Challenger, half Lip Gallagher I'm happy that I luckily sat next to her in algebra I try to hold her down but I just couldn't balance her Between the million meetings that I keep in my calendar Plus odds aren't too sloppy that I know why my cell is blowing up probably but i should check just as well call the cops see if i can get a hold and tell if that's copyrights yell raising hell inside the holding cell Table 